Where will you and your school be in three years? You will be somewhere. How do you make sure that you're somewhere on purpose and moving in the right direction? At Magnify Learning, we have design days, where it's a two-day workshop where we walk you through, along with your leadership team, the process of designing the next three years on purpose. Don't just let those three years go by. We can hold these design days at your school, or you can come to one of our model schools and see some of the work in action while you're building out your plan. Click the link in the show notes or go to Magnify Learning's website and click on book a workshop and schedule your design day. Why do you need project-based learning? Why do you need to be working on your leadership skills? Why does your school need you to be a visionary leader? Because I'm guessing that you've got apathy in your classrooms. I'm guessing that you're trying to figure out how to get your learners ready for a new workforce with a ton of different variables. If these are the questions that you've been pondering and you're working through with your staff, you're in the right place. I'm Ryan Stoyer. I'm the host of the PBL Simplified Podcast. We're dedicated to equipping you, the visionary leader. You're committed to self-development, collaboration, changing education, and you can't do it alone. You need your leadership team, you need some outside help, and that's why we're here. Project-based learning is an instructional model, a mindset that we've seen change hundreds and thousands of schools. We see it again and again, no matter what the background of that school, change is happening, and it starts with you, the visionary leader. Welcome, visionary leader. Today in episode 123, we've got a bonus episode. We're gonna talk about a need to know around when are my learners ready for a public presentation? Got a nervous teacher there. We also have a leadership leap around one of my favorite books, The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. And today's episode is gonna be a working session. So I've got a working session with one of our partners in Neosha, Missouri, and they've been doing really great work for a very long time. And they still have questions, right? They're still building, they're still growing. There's always a little bit more in leadership and you wanna be able to do that sustainably. 48 Days to the Work You Love is an organization near and dear to my heart. If you're looking to start a side business or you need to reignite your passion, 48 Days is the place to do it. I'm a part of 48 Days and I've seen enormous growth in understanding myself, my future, and my contribution to the world. 48 Days says that we believe every person has unique talents and abilities that when meshed with your values, dreams, and passions can allow you to have a purpose, make a profit, and love your life. Click on the link in the show notes to join the waitlist to join 48 Days Community so you can jump in when new members are being accepted. It might just change your life. Need to know for today comes from a nervous teacher. I get it. I want to do project-based learning, but I also know my learners. When are my learners ready for public presentation? Right now. Like they are ready. You say, ah, oh, they don't seem ready. They don't know enough. They haven't practiced enough. They're not using good eye contact. Right, but they need to present now so that they can work on those things. One of the, a really great test to give your learners, you know, you always have those learners that group that says, hey, we're done. One of your best responses is to say, great, go present right now or go record your session right now. And as soon as you do that, you can watch the learners, their eyes go up and to the left and then suddenly they go, oh, we've got a few more things to work on actually. So, you know, we're going to get a few of those things done. And, and they're not trying to get out of work. They're not trying to be lazy. They legitimately think they're done. But as soon as you press the presentation button and say, okay, go, 
our brains, like our human brains, just immediately start thinking of all the things that we need to review or revise or things that we forgot. Right? It's like when you leave, when do you forget that you know you left your wallet somewhere? It's as soon as you get in your car and you start driving. Why couldn't you just remember that when you were at the door? Right? So the presentation is that button. It's that stressor that says, are we really ready? Like, what would I say? What's the very first thing I'm going to say? Gosh, I don't know. We should work on the introduction. Right? So get a public presentation scheduled as soon as you can. Your learners are ready. And here's the other place of the spectrum that makes them ready is the audience that you're going to bring in. They know that they're kids. They know that it might be their first time presenting. So their expectations are adjusted, right? And they're going to give feedback that's appropriate for your learners. So we're not expecting your learners to be perfect. We're not expecting a TED talk from them just yet. We're expecting them to mess up and then reflect and get better. That's the whole point. So schedule the practice presentation as soon as you can, because as soon as you do that, now you've got something you can reflect on and your learners will start getting better at the The Leadership Leap is designed for you, the visionary leader, to help you leap forward in your leadership skills. The better leader you are, the better you will lead your building and the better outcomes that you'll have. Today is one of my favorite books. It's called The Slight Edge. It's by Jeff Olson. It says, turning simple disciplines into massive success and happiness. That's the only reason our lives follow that roller coaster. It's that simple. As soon as we get away from failure and up past the line of survival, we quit doing the things that got us there. You know what that means. It means you already know how to do everything it takes to make you an outrageous success. His first premise is this idea that we work really hard to get past survival, to get to a place where we're okay. And then once we do, we stop doing all those things. So it brings us back down and then we're like, oh man, we can't live like this. So then we start doing the things again and get, back, get up past survival. And that survival line is different for every person. It's probably high for you as a high performing leader, but you really want to get into that prosperous abundant zone where you know the things to do so that you can be a high flying leader and you keep doing them. And so what Jeff does, he looks at it as a roller coaster. You go up, you go down, you go up, you go down. But instead of that being a discouraging thought, his point is, you know the things that make you go up. So if you can get yourself to do those things at the survival point, now you're going to start thriving. Here's another quote. If we would just keep doing the things that got us from failure up to survival in the first place, the things we already know how to do and we're already doing, they would eventually carry us all the way to success. The slight edge. They're not big sweeping things that take huge effort. They're not heroic or dramatic. Mostly, they're just little things you do every day that nobody even notices. They're things that are so simple to do, yet successful people actually do them, while unsuccessful people only look at them and don't take action. These are the things that are in your morning routine. If you're exercising, you're eating right, you know, you're drinking that green drink, you're reading a book every day, you maybe you're going into classrooms every day, and it doesn't seem like that makes a difference, right? Well, what's the big deal if I go into a classroom every day and I leave one post-it note and all these Well, those small things add up and it gives you more credibility with your staff. It gets your staff in an encouraging position instead of being discouraged because they see you supporting them. That little five minute interaction within that classroom makes a big difference when it's done every day. <clears throat> so what are those small things that give you the slight edge? You know, when I go and talk about entrepreneurship or I'm talking about leadership, people always say, 
well, what's your morning routine? What's your secret? And it's like, there's no secret. It really is all these little bitty things, right? Like I make sure that I read so that I have these leadership leaps ready for you all. Um, I sleep well, I meditate, um, I don't watch TV, I play games, like I play with my kids. That's one of the things that's actually on my end of day goal sheet is I have to find a time to play with my kids and I have to listen to them intentionally. Like those are actual bullet points I check off every single day. Like, did I play a game today? Oh, I better get in there. Guys, you wanna play chess or Otrio or, or Wingspan? Like what's the game we need to play? Right? I make sure that's part of what I do. And guess what? That adds up over time. Those interactions I have with my kids or my staff or with educators, those little things that you do, that's what brings you success. It's not some giant thing that happens and suddenly you're successful. Jeff Olson in the book, here's his equation. Consistently repeated daily actions plus time equals inconquerable results. That's what you want to have in your life. So what are those things? You know, you can combine this with Atomic Habits, James Clear book, Clear's book, and it's about the little bitty things. What are your habits that are gonna give you the most bang for your buck? And I would encourage you to just write three down right now. If you've never done this before, you're probably gonna have the wrong habits. That's what I found, right? At one point I had wake up at 3 a.m. Um, as a habit, and it's like, if I do that, if I'm up at 3 a.m., then surely I'm gonna be doing really great work. Well, that didn't quite pan out. So I've been through a lot of different habits to get to the ones that I have right now. But that is the key. Like we watch TV, we see these things in movies, and suddenly there's this instant life that happens, right? This whole progression happens in two hours, but that's not what happens in real life. In real life, what creates progress is these small actions done over time. That's what gets you where you need to be. It's reading 10 pages of a nonfiction book every single day and you never miss that. It's your workout that you never miss, right? So he goes to the Abraham Lincoln quote, or at least attributed to him, give me six hours to chop down a tree. That's how the quote goes. And I will spend the first four hours sharpening the ax. And then the part that got me when Jeff Olson's book here in the slight edge is he says, you are the ax. Like you're the ax. Like if you want to be a great leader, it's a lot less about going out and doing and giving these big speeches. It's much more about sharpening your skills as a leader, which is why we have this podcast. We want to sharpen your skills and then things happen in your building. Things happen in your life, but it starts with you. You are the ax. Jeff's number one tip in this domain is to start by dialing in your health because it drives the whole show. And when you read these pages, this self-development book, like you're just gonna love it. So how do you dial in your own health and why is it so important? It's not gonna help you crush your, your faculty meeting next week, but over time, as people watch that, it will change the culture of your building. So how do you build these habits? Here's another piece that Jeff gives you really quick. It says, show up, show up consistently, show up consistently with a positive outlook. Be prepared for and committed to the long haul. Cultivate a burning desire backed by faith. Be willing to pay the price. Do the things you've committed to doing even when no one else is watching. There's an integrity in this slight edge that is really important, right? It's about no one's gonna notice if you don't do your green drink. No one's gonna notice if you don't exercise today, but you do. You know that it's the small things that add up and longevity matters be there for the long haul. I think it's more important in school leadership than we think. Three years is not enough time to leave a legacy. 
You need to be a place where you can establish a culture of people know you, they know your expectations without asking you because they've been with you for so long. And as you build those things out, the small things add up. And someone comes to visit your school and they say, well, how does this all work so well? Like, how is it so seamless? It seems like you're not even doing anything. And you're like, I've been doing a lot of little things for a decade, right? And that adds up to the culture that you have. It's not one small thing. And the slight edge is able to articulate that really, really well. So I love this book by Jeff Olson. Go grab it and start your slight edge journey today. Today's main episode is gonna be a working session. So you're kind of a fly on the wall in this one. Haley and I are gonna work through um, some questions that she has as she's looking at uh, leading her school. She's an assistant principal. She's a PBL certified facilitator. She's a great mind in project-based learning and a great system that appreciates project-based learning, PLCs, the really great work that helps our learners move forward. And there's still places for improvement. There's still places where we need to grow. And we want to be transparent about those things because that's how we grow. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to PBL Simplified Podcast. We have a treat today. We've got a work session today. So we've had Haley from Neosha, Missouri. She was on, she did a PBL showcase. You can go back and listen to that if you'd like, and you should. Uh, and then afterwards, we were just talking. It's like, man, we've got a few like shop things we need to talk about. Uh, let's make it a work session. So PBL listener, you get to be a fly on the wall today. And Haley and I are just gonna kind of talk through some things that a really high functioning school and district, this is what they think about. And these are some of the conversations that we have. And we thought it might just be uh, a good thing for you to listen into. Haley, thanks for agreeing to do this. Oh, thanks so much. I, I think that there's a lot of excitement at Neo Show, and especially our teachers that are passionate about PBL. They want to come to the table and they want to be able to air some of those those frustrations. And so being able to bring that to you and be able to kind of workshop this is going to be awesome. They're, they're going to appreciate it. So thank you. Yeah. And to, to give our listener a little more context, uh, you've done PBL in the classroom. Now you're an assistant mm -hmm. principal. Your district gets project-based learning. They get PLCs. They understand what good education looks like from like superintendent, assistant superintendent down. This is well supported and has been for years now. So now that doesn't mean that you're done, right? Like there's no flag and a medal and suddenly you just keep moving forward. It's always reiterating. That's the mindset, right? So Haley, where would you Absolutely. like to start off? Where do you want to start us off at? So there's two things that when I talk to my team that we really struggle with, and, and they're pieces of the, the PBL process that are critical. So authenticity, being able to create an authentic project. So I think that sometimes we get stuck in, well, it's not authentic enough. And so we don't always move forward with that idea. Um, and so that's one branch that I kind of want to flush out with you. And then also we're always hung up with it needing to be, I don't, I shouldn't say always, we're often hung up with needing to be completely interdisciplinary to move forward with the project. And so I guess I want to want to talk about where people, where our teachers get to play a little bit with this and, and how we build that capacity in our teachers and, and get them to a place where they feel comfortable tackling those, even if we're not where we'd like to be yet. Yeah, great question. And again, in your question, if I can talk to the audience one more, one last time, is like authenticity is like core to the PBL process. And like Haley and her team know that, but we still bring it up, right? Like we're not afraid to bring those things up. You need to have a culture of transparency so that you can have a, a culture of growth. 
And that's what we have. So, right, we're going to kind of, we're putting this out to the world too, right? So you can't be more transparent, but we know it's good for teachers and it's good for kids. So that's why we do it. So I think my first thought is that our teachers need to have space to experiment. Like we all grew up in traditional teaching. Uh, we were good at it. So then we went to college and got even more traditional teaching, right? It was just even more lecture. You know, I was at Purdue with 800 other kids, like listening to calculus. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, this is the worst possible way to learn, right? And uh, that's what we grew up in. So we're continually just brushing back the cobwebs of traditional teaching, even when we're in the mix of really great work. So it's always the message of, you know, we're, get, we're getting better, right? So like maybe this isn't the most authentic PBL unit. And I, I guess I like to use continuums too, right? If you know that as, as a PBL unit gets more engaging, it's going to be more authentic. So the more authentic, the more engaging, the deeper you can go with the rigor. So if it's less authentic, you're going to have less engagement and you should be ready for that, right? And you can probably feel that. And having that conversation with your teachers of, you know, just continually being reflective, of like how authentic was that on a scale of one to 10, which is a made up scale, right? Just uh, whatever that means for that teacher where they're at, like super growth mindset. Well, you know, for me, this was like a six. Okay. Uh, why wasn't it a three? Which is a really great question, actually, right? So like you said it was a six, why not a three? Well, because, you know, it wasn't a scenario project. I didn't bring the problem. It kind of changed and let them talk through and defend the authenticity in their PBL unit because there are some portions of that. And then you can even feel like as they're reflecting, like, well, how did your learners dive in? Well, I felt like I had to pull them every now and then. I had some discipline issues in week two. Why do you think that is? Well, the first part wasn't, wasn't really that authentic. They just had to sit and get, I had to get them some information, right? Like, so that they could learn more. And anytime you hear that, right, that's kind of a yellow flag, right? I had to teach them all the stuff so they could do these other things. It's like, well, Okay, how could we work on that, right? So it's just continually being reflective and doing some great coaching rather than consulting, you know, especially mm -hmm. at your guys' level uh, where you, you're operating at high level with the PBL. You have great examples within your schools and your districts. There's a little less room for consulting, right? You need to, it takes longer when you're coaching, but it's deeper work, right? So allowing that teacher to be coached through how could you make that more authentic? How did that feel? Uh, what was really authentic. So I think some of those things, um, you need some space in those conversations where it's less evaluative and more coaching. Right. So really, I guess it brings me back to that, the quote that a, a poorly laid plan today is better than a great plan and whatever, I was at Winston Churchill, something about battle. It's a good one. I, I always think so, Haley. I always think so. I think you just go for it. And then, then you have something to adjust, right? You can't edit the paper that's not done. You haven't done the first draft done. You can't edit a plan or adjust a plan if you haven't actually written it down or, or, or done it, right? So just yeah. moving, moving forward with it and then being transparent with your learners. That's very freeing for teachers because we always feel like we have to be perfect. But if you can go at the end of a PBL unit and say, hey, what did you like? What do you wonder about? And let your, let your learners say some things they didn't like. You go, man, you know, you're right. I did that second week. I did just give you sit and get, didn't I? I'm going to try to work on that next time. Is that, does that sound yeah. good? Gosh, it's so freeing just for the educator, even to not have to be perfect every single day for 185 days. Like that's, that's the, some of the stressful part. Yeah. I think that permission is huge too, because we have, you know, in any school, you've got a lot of new 
staff members that maybe haven't been through all the layers yet and they don't have the same reps under their belt to feel like, I mean, you're going to bomb some, but there are going to be some great pieces in there too. So being able to give them the permission to, to work through that process, I think might be part of the conversation that we need to really lean into from here. I think, you know, as, as an administrator and a lot of our listeners are administrators too. So this is, I think a good move is as you're going into classrooms and yes, you need to be in classrooms, you know, especially kind of your newbies, like it's, a, you're unsure as a teacher, like if you're doing it right. So just going in a walkthrough and just leaving a post-it in the back of the note, in the back of the classroom, like, Hey, you did great on this. And it's not time to be critical, right? It doesn't mean that you can't ever have a critical conversation. I'm not saying that I'm not saying soft gloves all the time, but when you're just walking through, you don't have a ton of context. It's just, man, I saw you give kids voice and choice here. That was awesome. Keep doing that. Right? Those little things add up. And then when you do need to have a critical conversation, you've kind of already added in those positives, right? So I'm not always trying to hammer you. I'm really trying to encourage you and bring you towards your best self. Yeah, absolutely. Other, you know, more awesome. practical pieces maybe of, um, authenticity is to go to your community partners. Like you have some good community partners, invite them in, do a community partner breakfast, right? Have them come in, show them some of the things that you're doing and then ask them like, what problems do you have that we could help you solve? Right. And then you're getting those authentic problems right from the source. You're getting them from somebody who raised their hand that said, Hey, I'll come to your breakfast. I support you. And if you can help me with this problem, like I would love to be involved in that. Yeah, we have some incredible community partners. So I I don't know that I know we invite them in when we do our roundtables at the end of our workshops. Um, but I don't know other than you know if we have a backstage pass night, those kinds of things. I'm not sure of other times that we're really tapping into that to do that. So that's a great idea. Yep, you're just always on the lookout for authentic problems, right? Whether you're you know waiting in the line for at a restaurant, mm -hmm. right, or talking to somebody, um, always just saying, hey, is there a way that we can help you? Because uh, when you're looking at authentic problems, you ask the questions of who cares, who cares about this work that we're doing? Because uh, somebody does, right? Otherwise, it wouldn't be a standard. Um, and then you're asking who does this in the real world? And then you're asking, how can I help? And if you take those three questions out to your community partners, you'll have a ton of answers and a bunch of authentic problems that you can help solve. Yeah. Well, and we, we've seen that in so many of our projects. So I think really being able to have maybe a bank for some of those ideas where teachers can draw from too would be an incredible asset for them. So we could do some more of that footwork. Yep. And the second kind of uh, area of growth that you brought up, I think was interdisciplinary units and yeah. project-based learning and interdisciplinary units go well together. Right. And mm -hmm. sometimes it's difficult when you have this district mindset that you that you guys have right is to say well, hey everybody needs to do interdisciplinary <clears throat> and the, the heart behind that is right right like because interdisciplinary and pbl go go well together and then i i don't have the best answer for this but i wonder if at some point again it's space to say hey i know that interdisciplinary is what we do i know that it works well it gives kids a lot of handles but for this one pbl unit what if i just stuck it in social studies do you guys think that would work out and then just be reflective on that process, right? Like realize that this one's not interdisciplinary and realize like, how did it go? You know, maybe you don't, didn't have the authenticity that you thought you would have. You didn't have the engagement that you normally have in, 
and let the teacher kind of discover why interdisciplinary is so important. So, you know, I'm a big fan. Again, I'm pretty free flowing when it comes to project based learning. Like I, I've definitely got my geekiness around the authenticity. But after that, it's like, what's the best way to get kids involved authentically in the work? And, and mm -hmm. I'd probably stop there because I know it's like interdisciplinary. Yeah, that's a great way. Does it have to be? I don't know. Right. Like I'd, I'd probably then I'd get a little freer. But again, with you guys are with your size of schools and districts. It's like at some point you need some structure. Right. So um, striking the balance in there somewhere. Does any of that kind of resonate with you? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that, you know, as a teacher, so I was a teacher in this building before I moved into this role and and I was a champion for PBL. And one of the biggest struggles I had was finding a way to make math fit into every PBL unit we were going to roll out. And we needed to do two a year, one in the fall semester, one in the spring semester, like those were our, our tights in the building. And so we would find a way to include them. But there were often times where it's like, man, this doesn't fit. This does not feel it doesn't feel right. And so it's like, well, if that's what we're coming up against, then I want to be reflective of that and, and not force it where it doesn't belong because then we're, we're fighting a whole different battle that PBL doesn't need to become. So um, I think for our teams being able to communicate that too, and that was something we really worked on at the beginning of this year. Um, but I still haven't seen the same traction that we were maybe making before. So being able to really embrace like, who are those teachers that are embracing the PBL and, um, willing to take the risks and then start magnifying those stories. So I think that's going to be kind of the space that we go next, giving them permission to to play in those different areas and, and amplify the successes they're having. Yeah. And, and don't overlook your last statement there of magnifying the stories of where it's working, right? Like, especially if it's yeah. someone who's like, at first I couldn't see how math fit, but then I did and it was better, right? Like that storyline is really powerful for people to see. Because you don't want to just be like, hey, math's optional. Because th there is strength in like finding the creativity to get it to fit authentically, right? Like those are, there's strength there. So magnifying those stories that work in areas that maybe are areas of growth for your building is, is a big win because it's different. Even if they hear it from me on the podcast or from somebody else from Florida or wherever, it's like, well, that's not really us though, right? So if you have local stories, of it used to be hard, then I did it and it was awesome. Those are stories you really wanna magnify. And if you can get that original educator to, to be the one that tells that story. Yeah. Haley, what else are you guys looking at as far as um, maybe even some things that are going well? but different, different areas of growth. How do you identify areas of growth? Actually, I'd like to, I'd love to hear that. How do you, like you brought authenticity and interdisciplinary, which again, I know things that, I know those are things that you all do well, but you're talking about like, hey, we're at a level seven and we want to go to a nine, right? So, but how do you identify these areas of growth? Well, for me, I've really been looking at who have we developed in these areas? Like this is a, a competency for what percentage of our staff. Um, and so, the more I lean into that, the more I see like this is clearly where we've invested. We've looked at our core teachers. Our teams are pretty strong. There's somebody strong in each department um, that has been through several levels of training. But then I look at some of our electives, some natural areas where we would normally see PBL 
playing out beautifully, um, but they haven't always been encouraged in those directions. And so um, in their PLCs, that's kind of a push that we want to start making. So you're solving a problem. There are multiple problems we could be addressing in these areas. Um, so how can we kind of transform the way that we're looking at them, especially as I get to looking at the data, how many kids are taking some of these classes? Um and we see kids wanting to transfer out of some that are maybe less engaging. So, okay, if this is a problem we're having, what else could we do here that might make it more engaging or what might make this class something that our kids are more interested in taking? So that's kind of been the conversation we've been shifting with some of those teachers. Um, and I think creating the space for them to start having that kind of training during our full day in service days is going to be important because to this point, I don't want to say our electives have been left alone because that sounds neglectful, but they haven't been developed in the same way as our other departments. And so really leading into what they could offer the PBL process if they were in partnership with our core classes. Yeah, I love the intentionality of that, of seeing, you know, where are we at? Look at some, look at data, right? So that begins to to move, you know, our training, right? So here's mm -hmm. data that shows that this is a possible area of growth. Let's put some training in here and then let our professionals do what professionals do. All right. So super good. Absolutely. Well, Haley, thanks for being willing to, you know, kind of take our work session and make it public. I, I know, I know, I know that it's super helpful for our listeners who are high flying leaders in buildings, like that it's always a growth process, right? Like they know that, but it's so good to hear the transparency that you guys have in your building and in your district of, yeah, here's where we're at, but we've always got areas of growth. And if we don't talk about them, we can't get better. So good. So thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I sure appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the PBL Simplified Podcast. Would you help us achieve our vision of 51 by 2051? One small step you can take to help us out is to leave a review of the PBL Simplified Podcast. Scroll down to the bottom of our show page, select a star rating, and leave a review. Your review helps others find this podcast. When you leave a review, the next visionary leader will see your words and join us. Thank you for leading Inspired.